be admitted after the guests check in. tonight that's what i said it's time to go to bed 2021 gonna get me some <laughs> no that's it's over it's... you you could have said fun like it, it was it's it's always right there in front of you but you're like the worst rapper <laughs> but i love you mm. And your penis is real thick. Who are the five best rappers <laughs> in the world? None of them are you. Uh, what? Welcome to Motel Hell. I am Ben the Beardo. And with me is Dick Fetty, MD. Dr. Fetty to my patients. Yeah, you want to Mr. Start... Spaghetti to my clients. <laughs> you want to start this uh, this year-end review with how you got your uh, PhD? Yeah. So, it was many years in the mines I spent toiling away to make enough money to pay for grad school. Uh, but as luck would have it, if you kill a man and take his PhD, it becomes yours and you become the doctor of pain. Yeah, it's kind of like Highland, uh, Highlander, but mm -hmm. with uh, there can be only doctorates. One. Yeah, so I did that earlier this year. Uh, I'm now a PhD of these nuts, <laughs> and uh, it's like you live in my brain. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, this is our year-end review. I think I'm talking slowly because we had so much Chinese food, and I'm so yeah, full of the Chinese MSG food. Is like thoroughly clogging me up. But, yeah, so, you know, year year end, year in uh, review, however you want to say. But we, um, we're we going to be covering everything but music and video games, I guess, tonight. And then next episode we'll be doing uh, both of those things. Yep. And we'll also be covering 2020 for our video games and um, music because we didn't get a chance to do that last year. Also correct. So, but before we get to it too much we're gonna start with our movie review of the night which uh just came in the mail today from severin's black friday sale it's and thank god it did <laughs> so you know when you buy seven movies at one time sometimes you take a risk and sometimes that risk pays off and then sometimes you watch ballad in blood by reguero diodato and it's no dracula 3000 i can tell you that it it was not but, uh, so the movie's, uh, essentially based off of the Amanda Knox, Foxy Noxy murder situation. Situation. Uh, <laughs> murder case. Murder kerfuffle. I don't, I don't know the technical <laughs> term, but, uh, it's, it, it, uh, you know, in the sense that a girl gets murdered and then there are other people that are involved and wake up. And some of them are from different countries. Yeah, it's you know they're all exchange students or whatever. You know, there, there's pretty much there's that, and then it's kind of like the most sensationalized tabloid versions of the Amanda Knox story taken to like the, you know, craziest degree. 
on top of like being set in a world that makes no sense and essentially just revolves around college kids partying, you only ever see college kids partying, and you then, only ever see forty year olds partying. Yeah, and uh, and then there's one small person, little person, little, little person, person. Uh, and then he's got this effeminate, uh, tall, tall young man with him with a sheer shirt yeah and black angel wings on the whole movie who are drug dealers bartenders and related brother of the landlord yes yeah so i was excited for this it was it was diodato's return to filmmaking after some 20 year absence it came out back in 15 or 16 and i had heard i read a little bit about it a while ago but when they did their black friday sale i was like oh i definitely gotta get this one i couldn't really imagine it was going to be particularly good uh because these types of movies normally aren't and you know for the most part like we're well past the heyday of italian cinema and pretty much any genre it's not to say that no good movies come out of italy i'm sure they do but name I, one i haven't seen any of them <laughs> so i only ever catch the modern trash uh and this was definitely trash it was tons of nudity a pretty limited amount of violence but more just sort of like kind of depravity I'd say most of the violence that was in it, though, looked pretty good. There was yeah. at least one part that had some CGI blood in it, and it, but it was only for a split second. All of the other blood in it was practical Yeah, and looked pretty good. Yeah. The dead body never looked like a dead body, no. but we'll get to that. But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she looked hot. Uh, Elizabeth was her name, I think. Sure. So, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to spend too much time on this because it's one of those where you, it's like a truly bad movie in the sense of it doesn't make a lot of sense. The dialogue is bad. The acting performances. So, like, the main... It's the three... These three characters wake up and then they shortly thereafter find the dead body of the one girl's... The girl's roommate. Who Who is the girl's roommate? Which is somehow on the roof. No, it's not, though. It was... So she had she was in like a lofted room above the com one of the common areas and there was this piece of glass that came out. Oh. And then she was laying on that. That was unclear to me. Yes, it was very unclear until they showed the room later. So but basically they find her dead and then none of them know how this happened and the the one guy in the movie just yells all of his lines yeah. the whole time. He's like the tough black American drug dealer character and then you've got the sort of simp like Italian boyfriend guy and then who looks like he's just so sleepy the, all the time. Yeah, and then the the main girl who's sort of like the the kind of mastermind but not really and eats cocaine at one point and drinks a, cocaine. Drinks cocaine, I'm sorry. She she <laughs> just pours a whole big old bag of cocaine into a glass of water and then drinks it and then rubs her gums because obviously she's never done cocaine. Yeah. So but yeah, I mean, you know, the the sort of, for me, what made it passable was you had a lot of nudity and a lot of full frontal nudity, good good looking dames, you know? Yeah. They they shied away every time they were going to show dick, though, which I thought was weak, you know? Yeah, that's equal, not really fair. Equal rights. Equal dick. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe it's just male actors being afraid to show their dicks, man. I, it's normally that. I know in Japanese films it's a huge problem, but... Uh, I wouldn't recommend it, per se, unless you're, like, definitely down for just trash, you know? Yeah, I don't even know. This is this is not even... This is lower than trash. This is... This is this is that goop that forms around your bottom of your, your trash can. Yeah. 
the stuff that gets out of the bag. I would say that it's it's probably most interesting to people that are pretty fascinated with Amanda Knox, but only to see what like the most exploitative ridiculousness is. I wouldn't even say that because it has almost nothing to do with Amanda. Well, that's Knox. what I was gonna say, but that's the downfall. Like if it tried more to be like an exploitation of that in a more direct way, but I don't know. Like we said, I've definitely wasted my time more thoroughly with other films. Like, I didn't feel angry while I was watching it. No, not at all. Um, Except for the very last shot, I felt a little bit of of anger. It's like, come on, man, really? But uh, the whole movie is just three people in an apartment for pretty much the whole thing and a dead body that doesn't rot at all. Mm. And I guess in Italy... uh, Halloween lasts through November because the murder happens on Halloween night and then everyone is still dressed up for Halloween for the next four days. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. It was rough. But hey, it takes place during Halloween, so technically it's a Halloween horror movie. Yeah. (laughs) Ah. And it will be fun at whatever party we decide to show it at. People are going to be baffled. They're going to be so mad. That's the thing, though, because, like, it's... We've watched, like... Like, I'd argue that Dracula 3000 was so bad that it was fun. Oh, yeah. This was, like, just riding that line. It wasn't, like, bad enough for it to be, like, really fun. But there were some parts where, like, the dialogue and the acting did make me laugh and I was having a good time. But for the most part, it was just boring is the issue. Yeah, I would say so. Because the whole thing is they're trying to figure out what happened to her, but, like, they're doing it in... Like, they're not really... And they never really tell you what happened to her anyway. Yeah, well, they do. I mean, they, they figure it out. Well, but... not really. They It's all conjecture. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess you're supposed to take that away as the truth. It doesn't really matter. No. I guess that's a point, uh, you know, a fair point. But, you know, to me, it's like, okay, fine. I'm willing to take the movie at its word of saying, like, this is how it probably happened or, you know, whatever their collective memory is. It's, But it's just like, it's almost humorous in the way that they're like, we're going to do this thing. And then they like completely just don't even do attempt to do it. And it happens to like over and over again in the movie. And in that way, I felt it to be pretty fun because it was so like, they were just so ineffectual. Like their level of like, just like doofy antics, I think to me made it turned it more into like a really dumb slapstick in a lot of ways. Yeah. There was, there were definitely scenes where, they tried to insert comedy, and it felt really weird. And there was one part where they had a rape scene, and then not even five minutes afterwards, they try to write a joke. And it's like, guys. Yeah. <laughs> they never even killed that one girl. They just kind of gave up after they murdered that old woman. They were yeah, try- they, they, they murdered this old woman, and then people see them do it, and those people know they did it, and then, like, nothing becomes of that. No. Like, it, which, those are the things to me that kind of make it interesting. Like, it's so... The plot is so nonsensical in some ways. Like, the behavior of the characters... Again, it feels like it's, like, the surrealist version of... If all of the spring breakers of the world, like, took over and that's all there was... Like, maybe this is what their world would look like. It's almost post-apocalyptic. Well, I mean, that's... You bring up a good point with... It being nonsensical because... These are things... So, okay. They... Try to kill this one girl because she may or may not know something about what happened, right? And instead accidentally kill an old woman. This is something that would build tension, right? Throughout the movie because they have to try to track this girl down and kill her. Never comes up again. After they kill this old woman, 
the little person and effeminate boy decide, hey, we can blackmail them, and then find another body in the apartment and say they're going to blackmail them, but then just don't do anything. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, you know, my brother's coming home tomorrow, so you... You better have you better have the money. Brother never comes home. <laughs> Cops never come. Nobody yeah. ever comes looking. No one even calls this dead girl. Well, no, no, not well once. because her phone's at the other girl's place. So maybe they did, but but yes, they got it back, didn't they? They did, but I mean, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's a weird <laughs> movie in that way. It's like someone like wrote like key plot points and then gave it to the director, and the director was like, All right. yeah, I mean. I don't know why you wrote these in here, but I guess I'll keep in the movie. I'm going to write my own thing. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. I would say definitely few things can match the excellence of Dracula 3000 is like such a just terrible yeah. movie. I mean, you have Casper Van Dien and Coolio in the same film. And, and Udo Udo is jumping around like a cat the yeah. whole time. Oh, and Udo so Kier is hammered in his garage or his basement <laughs> doing Skype calls in for the film. Uh, so all of those things, you know, really elevate it. Where this movie, you know, it it tries harder. It has, like, it does some things. But there are elements of weird dumbness to it that I did find charming and intriguing. And as much as I kind of want to sell it, because I'm like, I don't know that I'll need to watch this again. There's something there that, like, you know, it's definitely... I've definitely felt like I've had my time more, more wasted by other movies. If you can watch it for free, I definitely watch it for free. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily go out and buy the Blu-ray for it. Yeah. Sorry, Dick Fetty. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have enough shelf space yeah. for the good movies. Remember how you own uh, Martyrs? Mm. Digitally? Mm. You don't even own a physical copy that you yeah, can it's destroy. It's take up shelf space. <laughs> so, uh, but we should get into it. So, so yeah, so that's that was our movie tonight. So, so that's the thing that happened. <laughs> So, tell us about the good parts of your life in 2021. They might be slim pickings, but... <laughs> 2021 felt like a void. I'm not even sure what happened. Uh, well, there's a, there's a few very good things. Yeah. Um, we also bought a house, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know if I mentioned it on last year's... We didn't buy it yet on last year's uh, episode, but I think we were mentioning that we were looking for one. So, we did buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um we have a, another child on the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is your 14th child. This is my 14th child. This is the 13th child. He's going to become Jersey Devil 2.0. Ooh. Yep, going to fly Big around JD. with that. Yeah, with them bat wings. and the, WWJD. Yeah. What would you, What would Jesus Devil do? <laughs> no, Jersey Devil. Jersey Devil, right. No, I, I was totally making a joke and didn't... Shut up. Um, what else happened? I decided to start a new career that I am currently in school for okay uh to Is it involve gaping it can okay actually i pretty sh- i mean you're gonna get one call about i might get one or yeah. boyfriend who's been gaped too thoroughly yeah so i'm in ems school right now which is pretty cool um and that stands for electrical meningitis surgery. syndrome yeah. syndrome okay uh no it's like edm but uh different so to drop in the base you drop the that sounds sounds bad but um yeah well maybe not unfortunately but pretty much for my first year after i graduate because i do have a contract signed uh, i'm pretty much only going to be doing uh transport 
which is from hospital to hospital or hospital to whatever, nursing home to hospital. Garbage dump. Yeah, I'm going to be, I mean, either way, even if I was doing that on one calls, mostly I'll be hanging out with old people because sure. old people need a lot of help. But unless I get like a per diem job, which I probably will, I will be not doing 911. Okay. Um, don't look forward to me giving you guys any stories about it because that is illegal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I would like to have someone on the podcast at some point if we can talk to who is a first responder whose, I guess, name we might have to hide. And, uh, I think it's long. So, Carol Longbottom. Okay. Carolist Longbottom. I think as long as. They don't give away, like, location or, like, too much specific details. Yeah, it's the same thing with lawyer stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I do under I, I, I do have an understanding that a lot of people who are in it don't like to talk about that shit. But we'll see if that's going to end up being an episode eventually. Because it is very interesting thinking about the amount of things you get to see being, you know, a first responder. And... Because, I mean, we, we've we've heard some stories already from our instructors. I've got... One of my instructors was a Camden uh, EMT and paramedic for, like, a couple decades. And um, one of my other instructors has been paramedic EMT fire for way longer than either of us have been alive. So, there are some very interesting stories and uh, just crazy shit that happens. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm very excited. It's better than working at fucking Lowe's. You hear me, Lowe's, you piece of shit? Fuck you guys. I hope they fire me soon. They still haven't fired me. I haven't been to work in like two weeks. They haven't fired me. Don't be too good at your job that you can't get fired. Is that bad advice? Yeah. Okay. If you want to get fired, don't be too good at your job so you can't get fired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else could happen to me? I got a PS5. I guess it was last year, though. That was last year, yeah. But I didn't get Brag it until much. 2021. Brag much? Yeah. Man, it smells like my dick. <laughs> it's because you just had your hand on your dick. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, we started the podcast again. 2021. What's up? Yeah. That's been good. Well, some say we never stopped. I mean, technically. It's like smoking. Yeah, well, it's like clapping, right? Like when you, the first time you start clapping, you never really stop. There's just longer intervals between your claps at some points. Yeah. From the first time you do it to the day you die. So it's like jacking off. Oh my god, you never actually stop jerking off. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my god. <sighs> what good things happen Throwing to you? Throwing fangers. Uh, so. The, I guess the big highlight was the wedding. I got married. Flex Lex and I are now Dick Lexa or Lexa Fetty. Yeah. See, the, Flex Fetty. The thing was is we had to... The only way she agreed to marry Dick Fetty was if we released her from her contract for the podcast. So true. That's the real reason that she hasn't been on. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have forced her to stay and suffer. Yeah, she tried to. Wa she watched the movie with us tonight, and she said that was punishment enough. <laughs> I couldn't possibly be involved in further activities with you guys. It's pretty harsh, but um, yeah, we got we got married in uh, two days before Halloween, which is pretty cool. I mean, we kind had, of selfish, but pretty cool. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was we had gotten engaged on Halloween two years prior, so 
it worked out nice that we could kind of, you know, circle back around. Yeah, also selfish, but fine. And we were at the classic COVID cancellation, but yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, we we did a lot of work, but our families did a lot more than we did, and it it was it was beautiful. It was super nice. I mean, you were there. Yeah, you praise me. Speech. Talk about how good I did. Get with incredible up. speech. You, yeah, you helped my mom and uh, did a ton of work that like literally couldn't have gotten it done without you. Um, we got a bunch of people got COVID because one of my groomsmen. Wait, can we can we back it up? Can we can we talk? Did we talk about the bachelor party? On the no, we're gonna yet? talk about it in a second. Well, that kind of precedes the COVID thing. Sure, too, sure, right? sure. Okay, so to give good background on it, uh, so we're gonna come back to the wedding, but. So the bachelor party was a different kind of highlight in the sense... I mean, it was just a traditional one in the sense of it was awesome, but... One of the best weekends of my life. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So we had planned this weekend in the Poconos, and it was, you know, going to play video games, watch horror movies, go paintballing, tool around in the fast car, whatever. And uh, leading into it, you know, it was the understanding that everybody was vaccinated, we were all in good health, and, you know, had a wedding coming up, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, two of us have kids, two, two of them have kids. Um, so we don't want to get COVID. And the big thing was too, that my car was out of commission for like a month and a half leading into it. And I got it fixed the day before we had, I had to get a tire patch that morning that we left. And, um, but it all sort of came back together when it was looking like it was going to fall apart. And so, and maybe a month before we went, we found out that there was a four-day slasher movie festival at a nearby drive-in theater in the Poconos, and it was like, well, duh. Yeah, so, fuck yes. So we, we we went up there, and the first night we made steaks, we tooled around in a golf cart, and I bought Guilty Gear Strive, uh, which I guess I'll talk more about in the, the next episode, but we, had a, we were having a fucking ball, and then the second day we did paintballing and found out how in and out of shape you know different people in the party were <laughs> and a lot of people taking every other round off and whatever and, shut up uh, i paid my dues <laughs> i shot my balls god damn it, it was really wet <laughs> yeah that was the other thing about it was that there was a hurricane came through like two days before and the poke that hit the poconos of all places yeah and, uh so we were worried about that but yeah paintball was a blast we we came back we did more golf karting we went to the to the drive-in and then the next day one of our groomsmen was violently ill and uh, yeah so i wake up right i i think you and i were like the first people to wake up we i go downstairs to ask everybody if they want breakfast because we were doing the cute boy thing where we all made breakfast well frank made breakfast yeah i made breakfast every day so i go down there and i talked to one of our buddies i was like yo we're so-and-so he's like oh he's Still in the room, so I'm like, "Hey, bud, breakfast. You look like shit. Are you okay?" He goes, "No, I I feel fucking terrible." So immediately, everyone starts panicking because, like, we none of us want COVID, and yeah. Well, and the thing was that it was the way I remember it was basically. I think I was taking a shit when you came and knocked on the door, and you were like. Yeah, we got a problem, and I'm like, what's up? And you're like, uh, you know, so-and-so thinks he might have COVID, he's really sick. And I'm like, okay. Mind you, this person told us that they were not vaccinated about an hour into the two-hour drive into the Poconos. Right, right. And so, so it was like, oh, the only person that we would think would get COVID, because at this point, 
you know, at least from my experience, mostly I didn't, I wasn't hearing about people that were vaccinated that I knew getting COVID right now, as things are every, like I've just had COVID and you know, everybody's fucking getting it regardless of vaccination status, which has sort of made all of this kind of humorous in the one sense, uh, a little bit to me, but yeah. So it was like, okay, great. So, so then we, I made a, a quick appointment at a nearby, uh, what do you call it? Urgent um, care. Urgent care. I had to drive in there, but we were of course on like a stacked timeline of all these different things to do. And we had to, the, the place where the drive-in was, was like two hours away. And we had all these big plans about what we we're going to do. So I go, when I'm go and take him, my phone's like on almost E. So it's, it's like a whole thing. He gets a rapid test. He doesn't have it. So we can all sleep a little easier, but he's still super sick and like, you know, throwing up when we're there and it's the whole thing. And I mean, honestly, I felt really bad for him. Like, it's stupid not to be vaccinated, for sure. There's no question there. But it still was, you know, especially now, having had COVID, being vaccinated and boosted and all the rest of that. Yeah. Like, it's it's kind of like, okay. But anyways, you know, that that frustration aside, and he wound up being okay. We still had a wonderful time at the bachelor party. We played Guilty Year Strive till four in the morning every night. And, yeah, which uh, which started out as fun because Frank wasn't very good. Yeah, and then the second day, we were there for what four days? Yeah, something like that. Second day, Frank stayed up all night playing and learning how to play the game, and then no one could beat him, and it was no longer fun for anyone else. They're like, "Let's play a different game. Let's play Smash." I was like, mm, "That's a game for babies, and it's my bachelor party, so <laughs> guess you'll be playing me in Strive." The uh, drive-in the drive-in festival thing it was Cause awesome like, yeah because you and i always send these things back and forth to each other it's like do we have the time to actually go to one of these and we yeah. finally did <clears throat> yeah yeah i had uh and you know we've both been to drive-ins a couple times but it's it's such a fun thing and it was funny the first night it was uh it got started super late because they had a guest speaker who was this author who was doing like a reading uh, it, author of My Best Friend's Exorcism and Final Girls. I can't remember his name. Yeah, so the reading was fine, but they had sound problems, so we couldn't get it tuned in. And I had brought this Bluetooth speaker, but that does pick up radio, and it took us forever. And then they started super late, so we couldn't... By the time the last movie was coming on, it was going to be like 2 in the morning when it started, and we still had an hour and a half drive home, or an hour-long drive, or whatever it was. And... Our one friend came late to that, so he had already left with other people, but it was cool, but it was also, like, kind of frustrating in that sense, because yeah. we had, if it had been you and me, like, we would have just rolled with it, but we had a lot of other people to consider, and then the second night, our one friend, I think our one friend didn't even come, I think he just stayed at the place, or maybe he came. The one who got sick? No, our, uh, the other, I think he might have left that day anyways. He did. He did. Yes. He had already left yes. when all that came down. And um, Skinny, sexy boy. We're trying not to name anybody. Yeah. But yeah, the second night, we wound up with a wicked fog rolling in, and the last movie was Jason X, and you couldn't you could not see, see the goddamn movie. So, but you know, it was funny, because the thing about watching old movies on 35mm is that if they're not uh, stored... Correctly. Yeah, correctly, or with care... Uh, your movies can look different colors, and so Slumber Party Massacre was like just straight sepia, and uh, oh yeah, and what was the other one that was really? There was another one we watched, the Chuck Norris one, looked real bad. What was it? Oh, I didn't think that was that that bad. It wasn't great. You're right. 
It wasn't 10 to midnight. It was... Which was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was something else. It was an early Chuck Norris film. Yeah, no, it was during his canon run. Yeah, but it wasn't even a canon film. Are you sure? No, you're right, it was. I think it was. Because they had... Yeah, they had two canon films. Yeah. Well, the the one movie that we saw... So it was a mixture of stuff we mostly hadn't seen... We hadn't seen most of the movies... But we had seen Slumber Party Massacre, we had seen uh, Jason X, or some of us had, and there was one other one we saw that we... we you and I had never seen Jason X. That was the last Jason movie we needed to watch. Yeah. But, and there was some there was some other one, I think. But then, the rest of them, there was a Chuck Norris film the second night, there was Ten to Midnight we had never seen, but the, the one that was the real crazy one was Cry for Help, or yes. Scream for Help, which was this, like, after-school special meets sort of Last House on the Left break-in movie in the last part. Yeah, man. And a bunch of other stuff. So, like, the uh, there's, like, kids fucking. And, like, it, like it, it was it was a weird mix. It but was, it, was, it was also, like, weirdly really well-written and really well-acted. It was... In some ways, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, but it was, like, you know, the girl starts off and she's like, I think my stepfather's trying to kill my mother and me. And then no one believes her, and it goes from there, and of course it's true. But the way it twists and turns, and it's the way it's presented, combined with the music, I'm pretty sure it was done by one of the guys from The Who, I think, did the score, or Led Zeppelin, it was one of the two. Mm-hmm. And it was this, like, wildly overwrought, like, it was just, it was kooky. Loved it. Gonzo shit, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And Tid to Midnight was, was a ripper. So much fun. Yeah. But yeah, so that was a wonderful bachelor party. The so going into the wedding, so this same person who got sick at the bachelor party wound up having COVID, unbeknownst to himself, and as did his girlfriend who was vaccinated. And but they both had COVID, and I of course am told via text message the day I get to Costa Rica on my honeymoon, and I'm like, why would you even tell me this? And you know, it just or why would you tell me it was. I don't want to dwell on the negative. That was, I mean, I brought it up, but at the same time, it, it was, and again, it's like in light of everything else now, at the time it felt like a, like so frustrating. And now it's like, well, everybody's going to have this fucking thing before the summer. So yeah. Well, what I, what I thought was super funny is that none of the other groomsmen got it. Yeah. And I had to tie. So Dick Fetty decided, Hey, I'm going to get bow ties for everybody, which was beautiful. They I love really my nice, bow tie. Yeah. I really do. But him and no one else, him and everyone else decided not to learn how to tie a fucking bow tie. So I tied everybody's bow ties, which was kind of adorable, I'm not yeah. going to lie. But I was all up in this dude's grill. Yeah. I think I even made a joke about being so close I could kiss him at one point. Yeah. Well, but the people who got sick were not... It was our flower man, it was his wife, it was our officiant, and it was... So was the other person... Yeah, I know. It was crazy. And and the thing that made it so frustrating was that after what happened at the bachelor party, he was like, I'm going to get uh, vaccinated. And then he didn't. So, but anywho, the wedding was beautiful. Everything was great. Our honeymoon was amazing. Costa Rica is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Lots and of unprotected sex. Yeah, we had a lot. It was quite nice. And uh, Did you put it in her bottom? No. Huh. But. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, and then we sort of did, you know, the the heteronormative lifestyle choices a little bit backwards because we bought a house in February of last year or March. So, I mean, this is sort of old news for the podcast, but we moved two blocks from where we were in the town we're in to 
different spot and love our house and uh, love my room that we've recorded now and we got a second dog and he's been featured on the podcast whining and licking yes. and jumping and all those things. Jumpy Jackal boy. Yeah, so we've got Fox Mulder, uh, who's the new addition, and we've had Dana Scully and we realized they really should have been called Slender, what is it, no, The Unit and Slender Boy, or Pogo, and I forget what the other name is we have for her, but they're good. They're good. I like having dogs. Uh, let's see. And then I'll, I guess I'll jump into shows and then we'll talk movies. So I got to go to a couple concerts this year. So I saw the first show. I was supposed to see Sanguasugabob and... Uh, Vomit Forth and some other bands like two days before COVID lockdown started in 2020? 2020? Yeah, 2020. Yeah. And I didn't go because I was recovering from the trigeminal neuralgia. I was just about to go to Japan and blah, blah, blah. And my buddy went and was like, it was amazing. And then the world shut down. So we went together to see those two bands plus two other bands uh, in Philly in the middle of December and he was like, you're really going to like vomit forth. And I was like, okay, I'm into it. And they were fucking awesome. It's, it's like old school style, brutal death metal. There's some like slammy bits, but it's way more just kind of unrelenting pummeling breakdowns, which I mean, can be slam, but it's less of the like doy doy kind of stuff and way more of just really good suffocation ish style breakdown kind of stuff. But there's there's a lot of other feels like genre influences. They're they're a much newer band, although a lot of the guys have a lot of experience in a lot of bands over the years. So especially live, it just was this just constantly just pummeling, relentless, and just like going into these good fast ish breakdowns and and then weird solo bits. And the vocalist is all over the place, and he sounds really good. And I just I expected to have a fun night seeing some death metal and brutal right. death metal and it was it was so much better than that. And then a week later there was this humongously stacked lineup. It was a it was basically a two-stage night at Underground Arts and so the one room was kind of all grindcore-ish, crusty, sludgy, this all this kind of mixed genre but like a lot of focus on sort of more of a punk fast grind feeling. And then the main stage was some band called Withering that weren't so great. And then I think it was like Primitive Man. No, Sissy Spacek played after that, who are, which was the sort of weird one of all the stuff because they're, they're like a cyber grind. Well, they used to be like kind of cyber grind and now they're more noise core, but it's John Weiss, who's a famous uh, noise guy and he's done tons of really good solo stuff he's also done some work with sun and done done interesting things with a lot of other guys and then it's chris mumra mummer mumna mama chris mumra. mumra yeah i don't think it's mumra but <laughs> i guess it's mama i think uh he's he's been in a lot of like experimental sort of grindcore bands he's in human agony i think still i saw him play his a project called sewer system that's kind of like noise core stuff but it's, I saw Sissy's Basic one time over 10 years ago on a, I was on a speed bender. It was at what used to be a bank in this venue called the Bank in Baltimore. It was like a crazy night, crazy show. And they, they played this, uh, 
it was sort of similar, but it was also, I don't know. I can't even, I'm sure my memories aren't really, you know, accurate, but this was just like super rapid fire off and on, like, like very controlled drums for noise core, but at the same time, like having an edge to them. And then John Weiss is doing a mixture of, they were feeding all the mic'd up drums into like tape stuff. And then he was like fucking around with those signals and then using them later. So it was kind of like multiple layers of drums through tape and the live drums and also had a guitar, well, like a sort of kind of guitar and then regular pedal abuse shit. And then it just becomes like this war and then doing vocals on top of that. And it was just this like fucking insane, just like ultra fast, ultra brutal, ultra blistering. It was awesome. And then right after that, I think it was Primitive Man Played, which is this newfangled sort of ultra slow, kind of like Funeral Doom with massive bellowing vocals and just like ultra misanthropic, pitch black, like vibes, super fucking loud. And then Sissy Spacek came out at the very end of that to do like noise on top of what they were doing. And it was just like tons of feedback. That's fucking and, dope. Yeah, it was really... It was very cool, and I had never heard Primitive Man before. I'd heard of them, but I was didn't know what to expect. And I think they may have played just their whole new album as just one long thing. Huh. But it was the kind of thing where a lot of Funeral Doom bands will just plod for way too long and never have good riffs and never get into like the good fast parts. And this, and maybe it's more of like a death doom metal. I don't know what the fuck they call it anymore, but. Every time they they went out and went fast and went hard, it was awesome. But there were, like, these wonderfully dissonant, just, like, screeching, shrieking passages of just, like, pummeling, like, negative (laughs) energy. And the guy who was doing the vocals, he used to have, like, down-past-his-ass dreadlocks. And now he's just bald and big and just this, like, fucking... It's like what a Sam Scratch would sound like if he was the head of a doom metal band. Like just, I could get behind that. Yeah, I think you would dig it. it. It's definitely the kind of music that, like, you know, if I still smoked reefer, it would be. I mean, it's doom metal. It's you know, the yeah. music's good when you're stoned, but but it's it's also way more negative. Like this ain't your daddy's stoner rock. This is this is full bore awfulness. And then in between that, we went and saw Mortician and uh, Oxalate and uh, Malignancy, and I forget the other band. And that was pretty good. I, I've seen Mortician a couple times. It was a real shit show of a night, though. It was at this bar up in North Jersey near, near Newark, and tons of people were super trashed and all that, which, like, I don't mind per se, but it was just like all the bands played on the floor, which I like, but the bands didn't like that so much. And it was just like a big sloppy mess. Yeah. And, uh,. You know, so uh wasn't the best mortician show I had seen, that's for sure. But, yeah, so I guess we'll talk, jump into movies? Yeah, because I did not go to a fucking, I haven't been to a concert since, I think, 2019. Mm. Maybe not even then. Yeah, well, I mean, I was supposed to see Purity Ring, Was I was supposed to see them like a month after lockdown started. That show's been moved four times. I was supposed to see Boy Harsher, that just got moved. I think that was supposed to be this month. I was supposed to see Dead Can Dance. That was my wedding gift from one of our friends. That got moved. That got canceled just straight out. I was supposed to see some other show I had tickets to. That got canceled. I, I wanted gonna... to go to High Functioning Flesh, <clears throat> but I think we missed that. We we missed it, and I also think it got canceled. So that was right on the cusp of they started closing and shutting down a bunch of shows in um, 
New York, right, leading into Christmas when all the things started popping off again. What was the other one we were talking about that would end up being like $200 a ticket? Oof, I don't know. But Charlie XCX is coming in a couple months, and that's like $100 a ticket. And Maybe just, that was it, yeah. I think it was Charlie. So, probably going to pull that trigger, but... Yeah, it's been rough. I mean, it's funny. Mostly the metal bands I've gone to see, none of them have canceled their shows, but any other normal people are like, no. Yeah, I so, unfortunately can't risk it. going yeah. to a show until after class is done, because sure. if I'm out for more than two days, I'm totally fucked. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, I guess I would say that oh, well, the one thing we should talk about before we get into proper 2021 movies is we, we watched together with our wives The Wolf of Snow Hollow at the end of last, well, at the end of 2020. So we yes. watched that on Christmas as part of our Christmas horror tradition. And I guess it was a horror movie. I mean, it was a, it was as much a sort of... It's as much of a horror movie as like Silence of the Lambs is. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of blood and dismemberment. That's that true. That's true. Um, yeah, but it also is a. It's like kind of a character study. It's a family drama a little bit, although, you know, not a huge focus on that. Although, I mean, that is like kind of the core part of it. I, I would say it's a character study with like horror elements going on, and it's kind of more of like a police procedural. But it was. It just looked good, right? It looked great. Yeah, the <clears throat> writing was amazing yeah like the dialogue in that movie was chef's kiss yeah well i mean it starts off and i think you even we saw in the previews but the main character who's like father's the sheriff of this town this ski town in utah but he's basically you know the son who's the main character is essentially taken over like one of the first scenes in the preview is like him at an AA meeting and we're like oh nice and then throughout the course of the movie uh he relapses and and for us, it felt very... Very real. Like, and not very real in the sense of like, oh, I can identify. It was like, oh, this is a realistic depiction of yes. what this looks like. And I forget if it was you or Alexa or both of you were just like, dude, this would be you if you were still drinking. <laughs> like, this must have been you. And he's he's doing a lot of screaming. He's very angry and making very dumb decisions. And, uh... I mean, it's just one of those things, right? Because, like... A lot of people, like, can watch a movie like we did tonight where the characters are doing drugs, but they're doing them incorrectly, or drugs are, uh, you know, put forth incorrectly in some way. They'd be like, oh, that's not how drugs are done. But I feel like the group of people who can watch a movie or consume some sort of media that has sobriety in it and know that it's being done correctly, like, even the way they did the meeting, because, like, there's a lot of stuff... That you end up when watching. He's, like, he's talking about like he's like you know I thought evil on your wife and blah blah blah. <laughs> and like he's like because at the one point he's like flipping out. And he's like oh fuck you, she's a bitch. Like I, yeah. I can't even I think remember. They even, I think there's even a part where they like where somebody goes, hey, no fucking cross sharing. Yeah, which yeah. is like a very real thing yeah. in programs of sobriety, and it's just like every every like Breaking Bad they have like a sobriety thing in it, and like as someone who's in sobriety, I'm watching. I'm like that's like some of this they got right. A lot of it they got wrong. So it was the whole thing from, like, the disease itself to being in sobriety and going to meetings was all, like, very well depicted. Which leads us to believe that the guy who wrote, directed, and starred in it either is very, very close with someone who's sober or is sober themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the cool thing about the movie is sort of the whole mystery of the movie is, is there a werewolf or is there just a serial killer? And his whole thing is, like, there's just a killer, but even though he's right and surrounded by incompetent uh, other police officers for the most part, uh, he's so brutal about, like, his his personality is so grating and unpleasant and his like you know that it's one of those things where it's like it almost doesn't matter that he's right or not because it's like you can't stand to be around him but i for me and it's been interesting because i read some reviews after we saw it like a lot of people felt oh you know he overacts or he's this or he's that he's not relatable and it was like wildly relatable to me and I guess nice for other people not to have those experiences, but I could understand how without our sort of lens on it or like our own personal yes. backgrounds, the movie could have way less of an impact. But the four of us were all just like fucking crying, laughing, but also enthralled. And of all the things I've seen, you know, in the full past year, if I was to include that, that's like probably pretty close to like second to the top, you know, Maybe it's third on my list, but I haven't really seen that many movies, and I just... It's I one of my favorite really movies I've seen in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... I Maybe we did mention it on... I feel like we might have mentioned it, like, briefly mentioned it on another episode, but... Yeah, definitely go out and check it out, man. We haven't seen the guy's other movie. Thunder Road. Thunder Road, I think it's called. But it's, it's very much that... In that vein of... Um, small sleepy town that never deals with murder has a murder in it mm-hmm. and then has a couple yeah yeah so yeah even even the mystery itself was like pretty damn good and everything and the reveal was of whatever i'm not gonna give away the ending but whatever happens at the ending whether it's a werewolf or not a werewolf was awesome yeah um so yeah highly highly recommend like one yeah. of top tier recommends yeah and then the other the other one that you know was pretty much it was either going to be at the bottom of my list or the top was Dune. So Dune! Yeah, Denis Villeneuve's Dune. And suddenly we don't look so weird in the eyes of other people yeah, anymore. Yeah, maybe. It, you know, it was just a funny thing because when they dropped the trailer originally a year and some months ago and then shortly thereafter announced, oh, it's actually going to come out a year later. Because it was supposed to, you know, it was supposed to be October 2020. Yeah. And I remember watching the trailer the first time with, like, shitty service, so it wasn't coming through at, like, high quality, and I was taking a shit, and I was just like, ah, and they were, they played Eclipse by Pink Floyd, um, but, like, sort of, you know, like, modified like they do with all these trailers now, where they'll play an old song and, like, slow it down or do whatever, take parts of it out. I was like, ah, is this gonna suck? And then they dropped a newer trailer, and I was like, this looks... This looks like, at least like it's going to look amazing, but I'm still really worried because the whole thing with Dune is it's not, even though it's a space opera, it doesn't, like, it doesn't flow in the same way a lot of, like, Heroes Journeys or Narrow's arcs do, and, you know, and it's famously been so difficult to film, and I, of course, have, and I'm just like, I don't know, you know, but I, I had faith, like, Blade Runner 2049, one of my favorite movies in the last 10 years, and Arrival... Uh, uh, Sicario, Sicario yeah. like I I recently watched the trailer for Enemy, mm. which looks also awesome. Although the whole movie is kind of yellowish, but that might be in purpose because the title's in yellow. So I don't know. Mm. What I'm trying to say is, I think uh, Denis Villeneuve is probably 
the best modern director that we have. So far, he hasn't made any stinky poo-poos, so. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, so I was, I was, I was excited, but like most things in my life that I'm really looking forward to, I just don't think about it and just try to go in with the lowest expectations possible so that I, you know, if it sucks, it's not a disappointment. And that's how it was for Blade Runner 2049. Like, I didn't see a preview. I didn't do anything. I just was like, I hope this doesn't suck. And then I saw it in theaters Mm. four times in a week. Mm. Uh, And this movie, I only saw it the once because it came out the week before our wedding and we were a little bit jam-packed and it's, you know, three hours or however long it is. And... uh, Things like two forty, yeah. Two so, hours 40. but Alex and I saw in the theater with a, a different couple, and holy fucking shit! Like I just walked out of there. Everybody was like, kind of waiting for my reaction. You know, they're like, "Well, what, what did you think, Frank?" And I was like, "I'm so fucking happy." Yeah. I turned to Alexa. You know, an hour into the movie, I was like, "This could be the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life." Like, yeah, no, I for when I so I couldn't make it to the theater with you guys even though I wanted to. I can't remember why, but there's something that I, I, I couldn't come with you guys because yeah. you invited me. So I ended up watching it alone because uh, my wife and my son were in Maryland visiting her brother. So I was like, this is the first time I've ever had our new house completely to myself. I got all my sound... I got my sound system perfectly calculate, like calibrated... I turned that shit up as loud as fucking possible. I thought I had theater speakers in my fucking house. Yeah. And I remember just getting to the end of the movie and being, like, sitting there and being like, I think this might be my new favorite movie. Like, I don't... I haven't... It's been so long since I've watched a movie where I've been like, this might be... This might take spot number one. I'm I'm still not quite sure because it's, like, a really hard thing to pick. Yeah. But... It, woof, man. Well, because it, it does what any kind of visual feast style shock and awe movie would try to do, but instead of kind of blasting you to the point of like feeling nothing and also having no substance behind it, it's like we're already primed and pumped, right? Like we're we're the the target audience. Yes. We're Dune fans. And uh and so it's like I want to like it, but it's the the thing about it is that like on a visual and audio level, the 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 visuals are so massive and so grand, but like in an appropriate way, especially if you've you know read the books and because that's the whole thing. Like Dune, as much as about one character, is about literal planets, you know, whole yeah. civilizations and all these things. I mean, Velenu's he's able to portray sense of scale so well and yeah. so effortlessly yeah, in his it's, movies it is yeah and it's it's him and his you know director of photography and yeah. everyone else involved with all that stuff but it's that and then mixed with Han Han Zimmer's like just perfectly you know it's it's mostly just constantly kind of epic but it's funny listening to it at home it's it's not as I think it was the volume of being in the theater mm-hmm. kind of made, made a lot of the quiet ones parts feel still very loud um but it matches it like just perfectly like i i i just kept like it just is like you know the way i described it when i walked out of the theater was it it was like a messianic vision like it it felt like how the story feels where it's it's not a fever dream but it's like it's like a prophecy 
in the way that it reads and feels. And that's like a whole part of the book, but it, it, it plays itself in that sense of like, I'm reading like, you know, this, this, this prophetic vision story, whatever. And, and the, and the, the thing that helped it in the movie that was so different than the book is that the book is, uh, just constant inner monologuing yes. and and that's fine and it works in the book but it does not work in the movie as david lynch's movie you know shows and in this they did zero inner monologuing there was not a single inner nothing they let the actors act man they let them act and they let the visuals tell the story and they also pared down a lot of stuff and simplified things and all that but to me it was like they did it in the service to make a vision of Dune that would work the way that they wanted it to work without making a dumber, worse thing. And they did it. And they fucking did it. And so because of that, like you didn't feel it did it it had a different kind of a feeling. It was it was more of like, you know, the art house take on Dune a little bit. And that's I think that's like the thing that makes Villeneuve work so well for us is that he has like he has this I don't want to say art house, but I, I, you know, I, it's really what I lean towards in the sense of there is, there is a, a, an art artistry on every level in his films that goes past like any other sort of modern Hollywood, whatever you think most of the time. Yes. There's a style and a substance behind the style that just, and I mean the, it's, it's interesting cause you're looking at it and it's like nothing in this world of Dune looks particularly comfortable or friendly or any of these things, but it's also Arakeen is a city built by the Harkonnens who like live in this sort of miserable squalor emptiness. And so the, the spaces reflect that. And then you occasionally do get these much more homo homey intricate spaces and intimate. Well, yeah, the, uh, the Atreides, how like their home before they, moved to Dune mm. felt felt very lived in. It felt very homey to the point where like they were taking things from there to bring to Arrakis to make it feel more like a, like just like little little sure. things like that. Just like and the the whole world just felt so goddamn lived in. Like it yeah. felt fully complete and my God the costuming. Oh I know. Oh my God. And 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 Stellan Skarsgård as uh, uh, Baron Harkonnen is so, you know anything that man can't do. Yeah, I mean he's just as he's he does menacing pretty well. He's been in quite a few movies doing that. And I always think he he's in the movie Melancholia by Lars von Trier just relatively briefly, and is so good and so unpleasant for the most part. Like, just plays his role so effectively that it's one of the highlights in a almost three hour movie. And he's probably in it for 10 minutes. I granted, I haven't seen this saw in the theater, but, uh, I just have, I can still remember him more than almost anything else. And yeah, he, he does sort of the antithesis of the performance in the Lynch film and just does this much more true to the book, extremely menacing, extremely capable, extremely, terrifying just you know inhuman hunk of floating nightmare and uh and the, every shot they have on giddy prime which are few and far between but the the one opens with it's Peter devere's and uh the reverend mother uh, oh, i forget her first name reverend mother something 
Goheim or whatever it is, and him and they're talking, and like in the background you see this sort of like latex spider yes. creature, and it's they never show you, and it's just it's one of those movies that's filled with all these details that make me desperately want to watch it again, but being slightly different in its the feeling I got from it compared to. Blue Red Runner in 2049. I did not... I I mean, on the one hand, I wanted to just sit in the theater and watch it again after I had watched it. But then once I had a little space from it, I'm also like, man, that hit so hard. I'm so afraid. Like, I, I want to give it maximum time to hit me just as hard the next time. So I've been biding my time. But. I, I watched it twice within a week. Yeah. It was... I, I, like, I told Mariah, I was like, you are going to love this. And I had tried to get her to watch. Now... I understand, like, one, Dune's not going to be every cup, everybody's cup of tea, and two, Lynch is definitely not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And my wife is not the biggest on um, more, like, art housey weirder shit. She's gotten a little bit better uh, by evidence of the fact that um, a movie that I'm going to bring up later that her and I watched. But uh, she watched it, and... Within, like, it was, like, a week after it left HBO Max. And I didn't want to spend $20 on it. I'm going to fucking buy it the moment I can on, on physical copy anyway. Like, not even a week later, she's, like... We were, like, sitting down to, like, try to find something to watch. And she's, like, can we watch Dune again? I was, like, I'm not paying 20 bucks to watch Dune again. I mean, I would. But, that like, if we're going to a theater, yes. Like, I'm not yeah. going to pay another $20 to watch in my living room. Right. But, uh, yeah, no, like, it, like... She was, like, do you own... Dune and I was like, yes, I own Dune. <laughs> I don't. don't I don't know. If Dune. Yeah, I. I don't know if you're gonna have the easiest time reading it. Yeah. Although I don't think of it as being a particularly complicated read. In, no, in especially because there's a glossary in the back. But. Yeah, but I. But again, it's not even that. It's to me, that's one of those things that you say that makes it sound more imposing than it is. Yeah. Like, you don't need the glossary for the most part. It's like Game of Thrones, you know? It yeah. throws you in and it expects you to catch up on stuff and pick up and then reread about it, you know, reread it later or talk about it with somebody to fill in the gaps. But most of the shit that you don't understand on first read is not the important part. Like, She's not a big novel reader, though. <clears throat> I understand, I'm but I'm just saying from, a, from the perspective of... To me, there's nothing that slows down your enjoyment of something than looking up words in a glossary. But it's like when I read uh, Book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe the first time. He Dune is like child's play in comparison because rather than use, like, rather than create names for stuff and, and create these worlds and whatever that we then have to read, like, what they are in the glossary, like, what's Chome or what's this, you know, Space Guild or whatever. He just uses some ultra-specific word for an ultra-specific item that's, you know, four centuries old. And you're just like, is that a crossbow or is that <laughs> a type of bobby pin? And it could equally be either in the sense of that's like the depth of his uh, vocabulary. And that was to me... I did have some fun, like, I had to get an old paper dictionary in order to look the words up, because you would just Google them and not find real answers. Really? Yeah. Like, truly. And so I had a big, I just, I had a notepad the first time I read the first four books, where I just would write words down. And most of the time it was like, I can tell this is not essential, but some of the stuff was, you know, okay, I'm going to have to stop, check this out. And when you do that, you do have a sort of increased, like, an enrichment to the world and... Uh, 
an additional appreciation for his artistry, but at the you know some other times I'm like it's a crossbow. It's just a fucking crossbow. Yeah. Okay, it's not like you know whatever. But he's a fucking nerd. The Telenuelan axe. Yeah, it's a very specific crossbow that was only used by two people ever. Right in the 15th century. And this is one of those guys, dickhead. Yeah. So. Yeah, so Dune was my favorite movie of 2021, and nothing could really compete with that. The The other movie I really liked that I saw was Candyman. And Which was awesome. Yeah, I I feel like there was one other movie I saw. No, oh, we're going to talk about it next. Yes. And, you know, because, right, so I only saw, what, three movies in the theaters this year. I saw Candyman, I saw the movie we're going to talk about, and then I saw Dune. And Candyman was really fun because I hadn't watched the original in quite some time and I'd only seen it once. So I didn't have much of a comparison for it, but it was one of those where the score was really, really, really to my taste, as was the cinematography. I mean, it starts with this reflected version of Chicago uh, in fog. And so it looks like an upside down city. It was very cool. And then the movie did not skip on its gore. And not at all. It it was, and they it was sort of a soft reboot, but really just kind of a sequel more than anything in the best. It was way. a sequel to the first one. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, as much as like Halloween twenty eighteen. When did that one come out? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Uh, was a sequel to the first one. Yeah, but I would say the the only difference being that like this. I mean, neither movie do you really have to see the first one, but Halloween 2018 is like a deeply direct, like we're dealing with the same characters where this deals with that tangentially, but really creates, it's an expansion of the overall Candyman mythos and is, and keeps the social and meta commentary stuff in it, but explores it even more interestingly because instead of it being directed by uh, a white British guy. It was directed by a black woman, I think, or a black man. I think it's a woman was the director. It's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a basically like almost entirely black cast, or you know, pretty close to that. And they. And one of the things I think that really worked for me with it was that there's like a lot of you know intense social commentary, but in a way that wasn't there was never like uh and here's the message like it was yes. a really mixed feelings and there was there wasn't a clear it was answer. portrayed well as opposed to slamming it over your fucking head yeah well it wasn't moralizing in the sense of you know so here's the right answer and you're bad if you don't it was it was more and there's also a dickhead art critic guy who gets brutally murdered and that that whole sequence was like that just tickled me fucking pink so fine art people yeah but i'm a noise boy so it's true yeah i i really i really enjoyed it i felt like it got kind of lost in between some crazier and shittier things but and i know some people didn't i don't know i i thought it was really 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 good well, it was one of those things that, like, you know, it was it was super hyped up when it was announced, and then it got pushed back because COVID, and then COVID with theaters and everything, yeah. so I feel like it didn't get talked about as much as it should have. Sure. Um, 
I had found out because you'd been you you went and saw it and you're like you gotta watch this fucking movie, uh, and it's 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 rare for you to see something new and then immediately tell me I have to watch it. But I wanted to watch it one night and my wife had not seen the original somehow. And I was like, we've been together for like eight years. Have you not seen the original Candyman yet? How have I never shown this to you? So we, I convinced her to stay up late for once because she is a sleepy lady. Uh, and we watched them back to back. We watched the original and the newer one. And man, first of all, watching them back to back, the first one is still really good, and it's it's there, there's this like weird. I almost look at '90s horror as its own genre almost, uh, because it it's so disconnected from the previous decade. But the original Candyman's like right in that sweet spot of '90s horror, where like it still has a lot of that like '80s gore and violence and uh, type of directing to it. And then we watched the newer one and, oh man, I just I loved every part of it. There is one scene where you see someone because uh, you can't you can't really see Candyman all the time so you just see someone floating there being killed from this beautiful, wide far out shot and it's just mm, it's yeah, so you're good. you're seeing them through their, their giant glass like they're they're all the walls of their apartment on the one side are just windows and you're seeing it through the windows this person getting taken from room to room like gushing blood out but floating in the air because you can't see Candyman from like the building across the way yeah that that was one of the highlights I mean the the thing about the original Candyman is there is a level or an element of gothic romantic horror it's like the crow and or uh, even Dracula, yeah, not, not in the original, because I don't think the whole story of like being rebirthed as the wife thing is in the original Bram Stoker's like book Dracula. I think that was made for like the movies and stuff. I might no, be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure that's in there. It's I haven't read it since high school, but no, I mean Bram Stoker's Dracula has got tons of romantic stuff in it, and and it's you know. I agree with you in the sense of the 90s has its own edge, and one of those edges can be there's a shitload of post-Silence of the Lambs movies, and then there's a shitload yes. of, um, I would say, like, post-Crow in that style. And not that Crow was, like, some major influence, but of that, you know, it was kind of... Because, I mean, Goth wasn't... Goth didn't really, I think, in a lot of ways, like, 80s was the sort of zenith of Goth at that time, and then the 90s turned it into like uh you know when it was internalized into grunge and other stuff those those things had seeped in though those influences and that kind of like heavy emotional overwrought types of stories and things not like they were new but the way that they started to get played in the 90s like had a specific flavor and Candyman, uh francis ford coppola's dracula the crow and i'm i'm forgetting a lot of other similar movies like had this like very you know kind of interview the vampire like you know these these very romantic and rice is dead i just remembered that really i didn't know that huh um you know sort of horror romance kind of things or you know and it goes of course you could look at Werner herzog's nosferatu the vampire and that's like the ultimate of but 
Yeah, so I, I, and I just didn't expect to like it at all. I went because Flex really wanted to see it, and I was like, this is going to be trash. And then. Yeah, I thought it might end up being trash. Like, yeah. it's. It was not trash. No, it was good. And, you know, I think we, we might have talked about this before, but, um, you know, I can only say so much because I am a white man, but you look a lot of, uh, older black horror movies, and it's. It's all very campy and portrayed in a very certain way, and most of them aren't done by black directors. And then, uh, what's his name? K. Michael Peel? Yeah. Um, started with Get Out, which I really liked. I don't think you like it as much as I do. I liked it a lot more when I saw it again, so. Um, which was, it, it was just like bringing actual horror to black horror, which was nice, because like you look at movies like Bones or... Tales from the Hood, um, outside of, like, Candyman, and People Under the Stairs, like, a lot of those, and even, like, People Under the Stairs has, like, got a little bit of camp to it, but... Yeah, that's a weird fucking movie. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of those black-centered horror movies just throw so much comedy in there and didn't hit those same notes as a lot of other horror that was coming out. And, you know, K. Michael Peel kind of brought that more so to the for- forefront where it's like, we can have a black horror movie and it still be like a horror movie. Yeah, with black actors, yeah. you know, and all the rest of that, yeah. No, I mean, that that part of the sort of diversification of the media that we're getting, especially in movies and things like that, I mean, it's crazy to think that it took till 20, you know, 20s to, to get to this place. Um, on the other hand, it's not shocking considering... You know, well, let's not get into politics. Yeah, we don't get into politics, so, but it, it it was I was very happy yeah. um, that that sort of thing has started happening, especially since uh, how much Us let me down as a movie. Sure, really didn't yeah. like that movie. Yeah, I feel like I it's one of those that I could appreciate the performances, but the this you know yeah whatever we don't need to the get ending into was it. so goddamn dumb. Anyway, yes, it was. Uh, I do want to just briefly mention before we get into the next thing. It's sort of, uh, it wasn't disappointing, it was exactly, I really enjoyed seeing it, but it wasn't necessarily a great movie, uh, was Godzilla vs. King Kong. I, I thought it was awesome! I, I mean, I thought it was awesome, too, in a really, like, fun, you know, kind of a way. Not everything has to be... I'm not, like, let me just finish my thought. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, So, I mean, when I saw Godzilla King of the Monsters in the theater, I had literal tears. I was so happy and enjoyed See, it. See, I thought that was worse. Though. Yeah, I know, I, I can understand that. And I think in many ways this movie was superior in the sense of it was a little tighter and a little bit more fun. But there was also still... It's, it's kind of the classic kaiju movie, right? For the most part, you don't really give a shit about what's happening to the to the human characters. What you really give a shit about is how bitching is the fight scene's going to be. And they were 100% bitching, 100% yeah. of the time. And the, the thing that was cool about Godzilla vs. Kong was that they went cuckoo bananas. And they were like, Hollow Earth, that's real. Like, w- weird, weird Kong-verse in the center of the Earth, that's real too. Guess what? Tunnels that shoot from Hong Kong to Florida, train gravo trains, that's real. Mecha Godzilla. We got like ten minutes in the movie. I was like, it's gonna be Mecha Godzilla. Uh, yeah, same. I was, I was like, it, it wasn't even ten minutes because it was like it's. it's you saw like, the giant eye. Yeah, yeah. What was that? And I think it was like before it even started. I said to like I had been saying to Alexa, this this movie's not Godzilla versus Kong. It's never really that. It's always some enemy that unites them halfway through after they fight a bunch. 
And and then as soon as it kind of started, I was like, oh my God, yeah, it's Mechagodzilla. And that was maybe the most disappointing part was like, I wasn't a huge fan of Mechagodzilla's design. I could understand why they made it look the way they did, but considering how cool Heisei-era Mechagodzilla looks in comparison, I was yeah. kind of like, eh. Well, I mean, it's that is a giant robot designed by the Japanese who are great at designing giant robots. Right. But no, I, I loved that movie. And I mean, it's... I forgot the point I was going to make. I loved it. It was good. Yeah. I think that part of what uh, it made me more excited, but then also slightly more disappointed, was I watched Kong Skull Island for the first time the, that afternoon before we went to see it at the drive-in. And that was just like through and through a better movie, even though it had its own problems. Yeah. But was was really... I was... So, and I mean, I had John C. Riley, who's, you know, can pretty much elevate most things. And this felt like it, it wasted a lot of the kind of human cast. My, and the other problem that I had was that at the drive-in we were at, we were so far, we were at the farthest right side of the screen possible. And I was in the passenger seat. So I was about as far of an extreme angle as I could be. And then they had the sound so loud coming from the what was transmitting it that it was cutting out and clipping in the fight scene so we we're constantly just getting literal static instead of the sound so it you know it's one of those i think if i watched it again i'd be like yes this is a lot of fun but i don't know it just wasn't i didn't like it as much but i will say that the 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 battle that they have i think near antarctica when they're on the ships and kong's like jumping Dope. from ship to ship fighting godzilla was probably the best kaiju battle they've had in any of these movies so far. I mean, that was amazing. But I do have one other movie to bring up before sure. we get to our final one. Okay. Uh, the Green Knight. Oh, yeah, I know. I wanted to see that. So here, here's the thing. Uh, in my experience so far, every A24 movie I have seen, I have fucking loved. Yeah. <laughs> like, just every one. You know, quality, quality movies they make. And um, I'm not going to get too much into it. It's a classic Arthurian legend that isn't solely based around King Arthur. It is very art housey, but god damn it is that movie beautiful. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. The acting's really, really well done. There's some really uh good attention to detail as far as like medieval stuff and how certain people dress and everything and I I I highly recommend it. Don't go into it thinking that you're just watching a movie about knights, because that's not really it. It the whole idea of you know the knights' code and honor and all that stuff is very very heavily put into it, but it is an Arthurian legend that feels a little bit more like a fever dream. It's an art movie. It it is. It's and all to be all of it is an art movie. It's not you know an uh, exposition sword. dump. There, there is not really any action, but like it's, it, it's hard to explain. But because a lot of it does, like at one point I was like, they're not gonna make this whole thing a dream, right? Which they don't. Um, and I weirdly enough, I can't remember where I heard about it, some podcast I was listening to, but I did know about the legend itself. So, and I didn't realize what it was until we started the movie, and I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, I highly recommend it if you're looking for something that's just real pretty to look at and has some really good acting. And I mean, overall, it's a very, very, very good movie. All the moving parts in it are very good. 
but if you're not into something that doesn't explain everything to you in exposition and everything and isn't uh, kind of artistically driven, probably not for you. I think you would like it very much, Dick Fetty. And the other one thing I wanted to mention is um, the Netflix series Midnight Mass. Doc Ock. Mike Flanagan. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. The the man knows how to knows how to shoot, dude. I mean, I, I know there you're not big into ghost stories, but I loved Haunting of Hill House. I very much liked I wouldn't say I loved um Bly Manor. Yeah. And I Midnight Mass might be the best thing he's ever made. Uh there's it's not like as far as horror stuff goes, it's definitely not for everybody. There are a lot of parts where a character will just essentially give a soliloquy, give a speech, but it's so well written. the 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 shot composition is amazing. Uh, Mike Flanagan has this ability where, like, he'll have this one episode that's just like throughout the series that's just like, mm, like so good, like such a treat to watch. Like, there's episode four of True Detective kind of thing. Yes, yeah. there, there's an episode in uh, Haunting of Hill House where it's it's probably not actually one unbroken shot, but it looks like one unbroken shot of them being at a funeral home and having a, a before the funeral is supposed to take place for uh, one of the characters and everything. So if you're going to watch, I'm not going to give anything away about it. I, I wouldn't say it was hard to guess the ending because it wasn't, but it was one of those things where it was such a treat to watch that knowing my my wife and I guessed the ending probably within the first two episodes of, like, what was going on and everything. But it's just such a treat to watch just this character study happen for each and every one of these characters that's involved in it and how he's able to grow all of these characters and give them all an arc over, like, I think, like, six or eight episodes yeah the man the man is good and i really hope netflix keeps giving him deals and lets him just make make what he wants because i think he was trying to make midnight mass for a while and it just never got off the ground but i'm not going to give anything away story beat up by about it if you have netflix and you got like some hours to kill fucking watch it it's really really good really really good so I guess we should say, or I should say, that the next thing that we're going to talk about... So the reason I even knew that this was happening... I think I, I saw a preview for it when we saw Candyman, and I was like, that looks fucking terrible. But the reason I went to see it was that uh, Half in the Bag did this review for the movie Malignant. And I was not familiar with Red Letter Media at all until... January or February this year because you turned me on to them. You had you had told me about them in the past, but then I forget what conversation there was something, but it was just like okay, I'm gonna check this out. You were telling me about it, and so I watched like a best of the worst with no context or anything like that, and I was like, this this makes a lot of sense. Like you know, okay, they're watching the kind of movies we watch, and they're all drinking and having fun and talking about them. And then you know, I'm looking at the channel and I start watching the the Mr. Plinkett Star Wars stuff and. And for those who don't know, they're like a YouTube uh, channel. They do all these different things. and they, Mostly centered around movies. Yeah, reviewing movies, uh, watching movies, 
talking about shitty B-movies, you know, they've made movies, and it's cool because they're funny, uh, they've kind of got a long, long long-going shtick, and uh, they also, because they have experience doing filmmaking, they can talk about stuff in a way that is informative and interesting, but also they're coming at it from a perspective, a lot of times from what I am, which is sort of like this cantankerous sort of Gen X-y kind of a thing. Yeah. And, you know, but I also, a lot of times will wildly disagree with them, but that's kind of what makes it fun. I mean, you shouldn't agree with everything whoever exactly. you like says. And so, you know, I went from having no exposure to watching every single Best of the Worst by the middle of the summer, uh, in part because I was having a bit of a depressive episode for a while, so, like, all I could do was come home and watch that. <laughs> and... I've watched, uh, you know, a lot of the Half in the Bag, and now Alexa and I watch um, Best of the Worst together. But I normally won't ever watch or read reviews for records I want to hear or movies I want to see. Like, I like to keep everything as blind as possible. But for this, I was like, I'm never going to watch this movie. Yeah, it's another one of those fucking cannon fodder shovel movie bullshits that we're not ever going to see that they put out a billion of them a year that we never watched. Well, it wasn't even that. I mean, I knew it was a James Wan movie. I knew it was a big deal movie. But yeah, but uh, he, he's put a bad taste in my mouth ever since. Uh, I know. I know. But I mean, but you two. can't say that it's a, this isn't a throwaway movie. This was like clearly supposed to be a big deal. If you had not told me that we were going to go see it in the theater, I probably never would have watched it. Of course. I understand that. But Again, I'm saying from the theater, from the the production company's standpoint, this yeah. is not a movie they made to make a write off. This was a movie that they made to make money, and but then they made something completely different. So they, you know, it's a Warner Brothers funded film, but the whole point is that they're half in the bag on it. Was like holy shit! Like you cannot believe what they've done because it's so insane and it's so like amazing and stupid at the same time and all this. It's like you know. It's the best kind of good bad movie, and mind you, he texted me and was like, "Hey, let's go see this movie," and I was like, "I don't even know what that is." He's like, "It's the new James Wan movie. Have you seen a trailer for it?" I said, "No." He goes, "Have you seen the uh, half, half of the bag for it?" I said, "No." He goes, "Good. Keep it that way. Uh, the movie's at this time." <laughs> yeah. So we went and saw it, and. I mean, we were, like, busting out laughing five minutes in, ten minutes in. I mean, it is... So, I was the only one who knew what to expect. Because Alexa hadn't read the reviews or anything else like that. And it is, like... It's, like, the worst, best... Like, because it's such a polished turd, you know? Like, every little facet of... of, It's schlock in the best sense of the term. Yeah, and and the the thing that it does that so makes it so amazing is that like you I really can't tell if they thought they nailed it and they were just so delusional or if they were just like trying to make the most outlandish film possible but because that's unclear it it just feels like you're in a room that's increasingly filling up with laughing gas i mean it's 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 madness so let, let let's let's give some slight backstory to this right it's the first horror movie he's made since the conjuring 2 i think because he did he did uh i think it is because i know he did aquaman and then he worked on one of the fast and furious films i think or maybe more than one and then he got married to a model Mm. and then 
I guess him and new model wife wrote it together mm. and she is in the whole movie. So it almost feels like she married a director and she was like, Hey, how about that acting career? Yeah. Well, why don't you help me get an acting career? And he's like, well, I don't really have a movie. And she's like, we'll write one together. And I don't think they've been married that long. So I just think he didn't want to tell him no a bunch of times or he saw what was happening and said, Warner Brothers is going to pay for this, and it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it, it. yeah, I agree. It's hard to know, and I don't, I frankly don't want to know. This like, is the man who wrote Saw, like... Yeah, it's 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 got all those hallmarks of what makes any of his movies, like, they sometimes, you know, to me, go over the line of, like, believability into just ridiculousness, and, you know, or overacting, or this, that, or the other... I, this movie, it just dials everything up to 11 for all the traditional parts. But then, you know, I would say don't listen to any more that, you know, let's talk about it. If And you should see it if you like yes. Schlock. So just here's what you do. Line. I mean, we're get not a bunch. Well, within safety and make sure everyone's vaccinated. Yeah. Get a bunch of people together. Don't tell them anything about it. Just sit down and fucking watch it. Yeah, it, and you know. So that being said, so so spoilers, spoilers. Just fast forward a couple minutes. You know, ten minutes. I guess I would say. But the whole thing is that she's got this. So girl. wait, hold on. Opening of the movie, right? She feels sick. She goes home. No, no, no. Opening of the movie is her in the mental hospital. And the, you know, the, the person getting thrown out of the door. Oh, and the, God, yeah, you're they right. They spoil it right from the get, but you can't believe it because it's so dumb. Yeah, there's, like, some psychic powers or something happening. And anyway, after that, they it has, like, that very 90s, early 2000s opening where it's, like, got some, like, heavy music. And then it's got, like, the picture, like, weird, like, kind of creepy pictures, almost like the, uh, you know... Um, medical textbook stuff. Yeah, it's it's and then main character is a pregnant woman. She goes home, and her husband were they married? Her husband is watching TV in the bedroom, and she doesn't feel good. She turns the TV off. He immediately starts beating the shit out of her. Yeah, slams and, her head super hard into the wall to the point of like cracking the wall. And you're like, what? What's happening? What? And, like, he just starts throwing things out verbally that you're just like, how is this, what is happening? What do you, why, did he just say, maybe you should stop letting my children die inside of you? And it's, it's, it's just zero to 60 immediately. But also the acting is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to. I really don't think we should say too much because I, I feel like any of these things, I, I hate to go into too much of a sort of uh, story beat dissection because that, you know, we could spend an hour talking about That's why the very beginning of the movie, insane. but yeah. No, no, I hear you, but I, right, like from the get, you're like, what the, f like, because it's all of the things, you know, oh, we want to show that she's in this abusive relationship, you know, over time, but no, it's. It's the first time you meet the husband, and he's, like, the worst person that could ever exist. And then slams her head so hard, he cracks her. And she's a nurse, and she just goes to bed. She's yeah, like, she oh, goes to sleep. Yeah, I don't have a concussion. I'm fine. I'm just bleeding from my brain. And, uh, and, and it, like, that's 
it sort of sets the tone for like, yes, it's about to get this dumb. It is this dumb. And, uh, and then there's the whole, she has a deformed nightmare twin Gabriel growing out of the back of her head. And one of the best parts of the whole movie, there's two things that to me, like put me into fits of outrageous laughter. One was at one point they show the video of them operating, removing this malignancy that's on her. And they, they buzz saw her skull open. And then like, there's just like part of her brains like sticking out of it. And the doctor's like (laughs) mashing the brain in and then shoving it. Like it's like uh, when you're trying to get the snakes in a jar of peanuts back in, that's what it looks like. I was fucking dying like stuffing the trash down in your trash can right and then there's this pixie song that they've like reworked into the film that shows up at different points yeah. when it and, and like it it does that you know this is a serious moment type of sound stings but they're so serious and then you're just like you're fucking dying and yeah what was there was there's was one bit of die oh where Oh God! She finds out that she's adopted, uh-huh. and it's just like it's, it's like so. Well, 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 no, when when it, when he's like when the guy, the detective's like he's like it was one of her patients or something. Like what was it? Oh my God! The lines are. It's it's like soap opera writing and acting, but filmed from like a good director, like someone who knows how to make a movie and compose shots, and it's just. The whole thing is just, it's its insanity. Yeah. And it's hyper-stylized. I mean, so that's the thing. Is it's like, you get you get this ridiculously bad dialogue, these outrageously cheesy performances, like trying, but like doing it so seriously. And then the, going from like pretty stylized to wildly stylized visuals on top of all of it. And it's all just delivered with this like ham-fisted, ultra serious like this is this is some real heavy shit but in the service of like the most insane batshit dumb as fuck thing you've ever seen and yeah there was just like a couple things because it's like at one point it's looking through the files and like i can't even remember because it was so fucking stupid but it's like the character says the thing to like let the audience know but we know like it's so obvious and then he's just like it was her patient, or I, I yeah. It's it's one of those things where like you almost expect the actor to look at the camera as they're saying it. And, it's and just laugh. so in your yeah. face. And the the one thing that cracked me up, and I don't think it hit anyone else as hard as it hit me, is one. There are there are two sets that have a giant fan with a light behind it, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. But two, one of the sets where the giant fan is, and I'm talking about like this is an industrial size fan that like. They would probably put in to move, like, HVAC through, uh, you know, things in, like, a high-rise fucking skyscraper. Uh, you see it in in this room, which you assume is, like, the top of a warehouse where the killer is, is being, uh, holding a victim, right? And the whole movie, I'm like, well, that's this is like, well, it's like a giant industrial fan. This has got to be, like, a warehouse or something like that. Nope. It's the main character's fucking attic. Yeah. And, like, the the outside shots and the inside shots don't match up. And it's just, like, it's it's so it's so odd. It's so weird. Yeah. And I, that's, it's, it's one of those movies that, like, when we have Halloween Party again, I cannot fucking wait. Because it's definitely one of those movies that you want to watch 
with a group of people. Unfortunately, it's no longer in theaters, which I would definitely recommend going to see it in theaters because I don't think I've ever had a theater-going experience where everyone went into a movie that I, I don't know what James Wan's uh, intentions were, whether to make it funny or not, but I thought at first like we were really the only ones laughing. About 20 minutes in the movie, the entire theater Dying. was fucking losing it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was what the movie we watched tonight, you know, it's the same, it's the, in many ways, I mean, this movie definitely gets way more ridiculous than all the rest, like, from the get, the whole premise, but, uh, it's the kind of shit that's, like, so bananas, but it's done with such energy, and, like, you know, they just go for it so hard the whole time that it works, whereas, like, the movie we watched tonight had a lot of the same kind of dumbness and whatever, but they didn't, they couldn't go as hard for a variety of reasons. And it's why it doesn't hit so hard. Like this only worked because it is so far past the line of decency, common sense, logic, good, anything like, but you know, has this level of, Oh my God. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be a perfect party movie. Yeah. But we should move into the, uh, just regular shit or disappointment. So, I don't, at least for myself, I mean, you can, obviously we can discuss it as long as you want, but the Mortal Kombat movie that came out this year, I was, I had zero expectations for, then it came out and was getting such insane reception, so it's like, oh, it's going to be really good, and we watched it, and it was like, yeah, the action scenes were pretty good, but... Not it, even, it was really like, the first fight, and like, I think one of the fights in the middle were, like, pretty good. Yeah. Like, the Kano fight was pretty good, and then the Sub-Zero Scorpion fight were awesome. Yeah. But the new character they brought in and his costume looked terrible. Yeah. I thought it was totally unnecessary. They could have just made him another Scorpion. Yeah. Don't, like... But, yeah, it, it was a severe disappointment for me. It was fun to watch. We watched it for free on HBO, so it was like... Yeah, I I just remember being disappointed because it was like, okay, I don't expect the acting to be so good, but the main guy was just, like, not Terrible. good. And and the, the original movie is... It's not... Good. <laughs> it's not good, no. And it looks cheap, but there's uh, there's a huge amount of nostalgia for both of us, and there's a sort of level of campiness that it's just the right amount... Like, it doesn't take itself too, too seriously, yes. and so it winds up being a lot of fun. And there is, like, a lot of good martial arts stuff in it. Yeah. And yeah. there's also some really disappointing things. So, like, you get a way better scorpion fight in this movie, but the other problem was was that it all focuses around on Sub-Zero just trying to kill this one dude pretty much the whole Who's movie. Who's boring. He's so boring. Yeah, he's the most like, boring. You could have made him Johnny Cage. Like, yeah. you could have made him... There's so many fucking Mortal Kombat characters. Right. And uh, instead they went with Dr. Boring. Yeah, and, uh, he was boring. Didn't I didn't care about his family. Like I, it's it's a Mortal Kombat movie. I understand. Like you're trying. I guess you're trying to make it a movie, but like it's a Mortal Kombat movie. You don't need all of that stuff. Right. I mean, we and especially because if one thing has been learned in the last ten years of action movies, it's that if you want to make a really good action movie, go balls to the wall. Yeah. Do a Mad Max Fury Road. Do a Raid the Redemption. Do a Judge or Dread 3D. You yep. know, like any of those movies where they say, 
okay, well, what is it like? We're going to distill this to its purest essence. We're going to remove, you know, we'll do the world building visually. We're going to tell the story with as little dialogue as possible. And these people are going to punch, kick, shoot, and kill and beat the shit out of each other. And, you know, that doesn't work for everybody, but, and not everyone's going to make a bad Max Fury Road. That's a movie with vision and yes. fucking giant heaving brass balls and also uh what's her face gorgeous mixed hot pants um you know charlie's theron yes and um crushed in that movie yeah. we're not talking about older movies yeah. but yeah no it's you know this they could have done that with mortal Kombat. they could have yes. needed a high octane no nonsense action movie and instead we gotta we constantly have to interject all this dumb shit Oh, right, because I forgot about the whole training thing and, yep. and all the... It was... What it felt like is they wrote the opening scene and directed the opening scene, which was amazing. Like, if you watch any part of the movie, watch the first part where Subdero goes to kill Scorpion and, like, all that fight. And even, like, some of the stuff leading up to Mr. Boring being a part of it. Like, the stuff with Sonya is pretty cool, and Kano. The guy who played Kano was... Great! He was he was pretty annoying sometimes, but overall, I really I he liked great. him. Yeah. But, um, yeah, as soon as Mr. Boring came into it, and they're like, oh, let's do this for his family, and he's he's poor, but he's also a really bad MMA. It's like, I don't I don't care. <laughs> this is this is Mortal Kombat. And also, the original movie and, had the Highlander as Raiden. Yeah, but there's also, like... They had, like, they they throw in these other characters that come in, which, I mean, like, you know, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. It's, every Mortal Kombat movie's been like this, where they'll throw a character in and then they'll kill it. Fine. Whatever. But they go to these cool locations during those fights, and then, like, there was, like, this whole underlying story that could have been cool, but they never really expanded on it because they focused on this guy's family and his life. Yeah. Who cares? You ever watch a, a fucking Mortal Kombat storyline cinematic? It's not about that. No. It's about killing. And I will say that I don't even remember whether we watched Mortal Kombat Annihilation before or after it, but the for me, like the bad parts of this movie were so bad, I cannot remember whether I'm thinking of Mortal Kombat Annihilation or this movie. And if you see Mortal Kombat Annihilation... You know, I mean, and it wasn't nearly that bad in the one sense, but, like, again, that movie is such a spectacularly terrible film yes, yes. that it's it's actually more entertaining than this one was because it's just it's just painfully dull when it's not that stuff. And I just, you know, I guess it really speaks to how fucking grim it was of a year for movies and COVID and all the rest of that, that it was such hot shit. Because I think most theaters were still closed when it came out. Yep. And, um, but, yeah. So... Uh, I'm pretty sure I watched it, and maybe it was 2020, maybe it was 2021, I think it was 2021, uh, I think it was Wally's Wonder World or whatever. Oh, did you watch that? Yes. Was it bad? Yes. Did you watch Pig? No. Okay. I did not watch Pig. I don't think I've really seen anything else new in 2021. Yeah, we both wanted to watch... Titani or Titany or whatever the the movie directed by the woman that did Raw. Oh, there is one other thing we watched, which is kind of a middle ground for, for the two of us. Okay. Oh yeah, of course. Yes. So we watched Censor, uh, which I did mean to put on the list, and 
Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was one of the bad parts of the year for me in the sense of I had fairly high hopes and... I did too. And it was definitely disappointing. I feel like I might enjoy it more on a second watching, knowing some of the things that it chooses to do, but it definitely, I would say like the level of which, like I was enjoying it more all along than you were, but we... I think could both agree that it just shits all over itself in the last yes. couple of minutes. And it's not even that I have a problem with what they're trying to do, but I have a problem with, there's like one scene that they, they show. Yeah. And it was like Ben audibly groaned in pain. Yeah. When it happened. And I was just like <laughs> laughing like, Oh yeah. I don't think we watched anything else new this year. Did we? Anything else from 2020? No, I mean, we're supposed to watch the uh, new Ava movie, I guess, that came out this year. Yeah, we haven't watched that yet. We are caught, we're almost caught up on all the Avas. Well, yeah, other than the new one, we've watched all the rest now. Which was more Ava than we've watched in, uh, you know, years, so. Well, not me. Well, okay, fine, fine. (laughs) I rewatched all of the series again before we started watching the movies, which are great. Still don't think they're as good as the original series, but they're great, and they sure are pretty to look at. Yeah, they're different. It's different. It's different. But yeah, so, you know, I thought about some of the other bad stuff that happened, uh, but I feel like I don't like to dwell on that kind of thing. We watched Demonia. Demonia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't as bothered. I feel like I, you no, know. I wasn't that bothered. Just, it was boring as fuck, Yeah, mostly. it was boring. Yeah. Yeah, I bought some sinkers this year, uh, some of which were from Severin. Um, but, you know, you take chances when you buy a lot of movies at once. And, you know, you never know. Like, especially once you get into the weeds with kind of trashy crap. Like, some stuff works for some people that doesn't work for others. And, you know, there's I know that there are movies I like, which are, to me, like, really important. I would never want to go without. And for other people, are like, I could so skip that. Which is movies in general, but I especially... Yes. In this kind of thing. I mean, I think a lot of... Um, I'm putting together this big uh, zine about... With all my movie reviews. And I've I've reviewed Phenomena four times. Three of those reviews are in the magazine. And I've owned the movie for two years or something like that. Like, it's... It is very close, if not my favorite... Uh, Argento movie of all time. And it's just like... I would never have picked that for myself. Really? And most Favorite other people of all time. wouldn't pick it for sure, but I really, really enjoy it. Well, eventually you guys will get that Argento episode. Yeah. Anyway, so... So yeah, I mean... 2021 was a fever dream, but a lot of good stuff happened for both of us. You yeah, know? I can't say anything truly bad happened. With... You got a car totaled. My yeah, car got hit. But I finally have a car that's been made in the last decade. Well, yeah. I guess I have to make car payments, which sucks now, but... You there know, are worse things. Yeah. Your car got hit. But it's minor. Yeah. The Subi. The Subs. The Subs. Yeah. The Subster. Uh, finally started watching Demon Slayer. That's good. I haven't really watched other, too much other new anime. We both got really into reading Berserk. That's great, but it's berserk. We don't need to tell you that. It's berserk. Duh. Fucking we, idiots. We made a fair amount of progress in JoJo this year. Yes. We finally finished Stardust Crusaders. 
We're halfway through. More than halfway through, I think. Yeah, more than halfway through. Diamond is unbreakable. Yeah. And uh, you know, the only good thing about it is there will come a day when it'll run out, but it'll take us so long to get there. Other people, they have to do like weights and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part six, part right. Stone Ocean's part six just dropped. My issue, which now means I definitely can't read fully past where we go, is for whatever reason in America, the manga is being put out way... Like, other countries are caught up to the manga. Like, they're already at uh, Jojo Leon. Or uh, Lion? Lowen? Jojo Leon? Anyway, they're already, like, fully caught up. America's like, hey, here's volume one of Golden Wind. They are nice looking though. Oh, they're gorgeous. Yeah, I got really back into manga yeah. manga this year, which, you know, um, has been one of my main staples, so prepare to hear a lot of manga reviews this year, guys, because... Yeah. I will say that of that stuff, the the new edition they've done in Fist of the North Star was really classy. That's yeah. one I got to pick up for myself, because it's, it's such a classic man-punch-man, that's a story, you know, kind of a thing, but it's... But it's Fist of the fucking North Star. That was one of my defining first enemies yes. I ever saw. I was like, this is this is the thing I'm allowed to watch now. That dude's head exploded. When he punched him. He punched him. Yeah. And I mean, I go into like how I think... Uh, you know, manga hits like a different nerve for me than American comics do nowadays. And, you know, I just recently had a birthday. And my wife really didn't have time to get me anything for my birthday. So she was like, listen... Go, go go to Barnes & Noble and just get what you want. And I was like, dope. Uh, I got there and they were pretty much out of fucking everything. They didn't even have a single JoJo volume, which there's always JoJo volumes in stock everywhere you go because it's one of the top-selling mangas of all time. They didn't have any of that. And I was like, maybe I'll pick up a Batman. Maybe I'll pick up some Batman stuff. I don't have a copy of Long Halloween anymore. And, uh, man, American comic books are fucking expensive. But, you know, I guess they're printed in color and everything, too, and it's incredibly popular, but... Yeah, prepare your, prepare, prepare your butts for a lot of uh, manga reviews. I haven't even read everything that I am currently up to date on um, as far as, like, volumes I've been buying. Uh, so far, I haven't bought anything I didn't like. Uh, I did get... I, I volume one to Parasite, but it is, in, it is interesting to see, like, the difference between, like, New Age... Versus, like, older age manga, because they are reprinting those older mangas nowadays. So, like, God Fist, Fist in the North Star. JoJo's obviously much older than people realize. Yeah. Because it's generally, like, the same era, so to speak. But, um, like, it's it's just it's just interesting art form. You guys are going to hear a lot about it, whether you want to or not, because we're weebs. Yeah. Well, you can just turn off the episode, but... No. You you're not allowed to turn it off. No, uh... Just mute your phone as it plays. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for us. Yeah, guys. I mean, you know, we're back at it again. We're back. I know. We never it's, it's just, it's nice. It's nice to uh, be recording and um, you know where to find us. We're on all major social media platforms. Yeah. And uh, hey, if you guys want to write to us, write to us. We like hearing from you guys. Um so uh, that's all we got for this episode. We'll see you guys in 
Another week or so. Dickheads. <laughs> wow. We've been calling them nerds for years now. That's harsh. Yeah, it's 2022. It's real world now, baby. <laughs> All right. Later, Later nerds. nerds.